rose. Jesus is alive. He did walk on water. He did feed the 5,000. He did raise Lazarus from the dead and heal thousands. He did make the wine. He did talk to God. He did pray for those who put him on the cross and he raised back to life. Just like Lazarus, except for he would never die again. Jesus took death. Nails in his hands. Nails in his feet. A crown of thorns on his head. For you. He laid his life down. He took it back again. Jesus is alive. Amen. We have, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have so much, so much to celebrate on this Easter morning, church. When God reveals to us how much he loves us and the future that he has for us. And it's great that you're here this morning. Welcome to second service here at MRCC. Welcome everybody joining us online for this Easter Sunday. That was about a glorious morning out there this morning, wasn't it? Did you see the mountain this morning when you came to church? Oh my goodness. We, li- we are blessed. We live in a blessed place. And you can tell you're losing touch if somebody comes to town and says, oh, look at that mountain. You go, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That means you're just kind of losing touch. Great morning to break out the tie and the Easter suit a little bit. Couldn't find my bow tie this year, so I apologize. Like a hundred people have asked me this morning, where's your bow tie? If you know, tell me, because I couldn't find it uh, at my house. But it's great to be with you. I hope you have plans today to celebrate with friends and family. Uh, Raise your hand if you're going to do the Passover ham today. It's kind of traditional. We do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of us are. What are the rest of you people eating pizza, or what's going on? I don't know. (laughs) But I hope, I hope you have plans to spend today with friends and family. It's great that you're with us. I want to invite you on this Easter morning for a few minutes to step back into the Easter story with me. And if you have your Bible, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. And I want to take just a couple of minutes to walk with us through that Easter story. Because on a morning as glorious as this, on a morning as beautiful as this, when we're together with so many that we love, it's really easy to forget that that first Easter morning started out with tremendous disappointment. That's how it began. We all know a little something about disappointment because sometimes all of our lives are disappointing. You know, you see that commercial on Friday night for the pizza, and then you call up and you order it because it looks so good, and then the one that arrives doesn't look like the one in the commercial. Anybody ever had that experience? Yeah, that's pretty common. That movie you were waiting to see for so long, you finally go to see it, and you find out that, you know, Nicolas Cage has a prominent role in it, and the whole thing's a total mess, right? (laughs) It's not going anywhere. That Airbnb that you rented for your vacation, there's a reason all the pictures are from one angle when you get there, because on the other side is a landfill. That actually happened to us one time, so yeah. Life is full of disappointments. You know that if you're a fan of the Seattle Kraken. Somebody say amen, you know. Are we there yet to say that about the Mariners? Let's just hold off for a little bit, and we'll see, see if we're there. But life is full of disappointments. We all know that. We all feel that. We all experience that. I remember the very first time that I got to fly in an airplane. Um, My family wasn't well off growing up. So the first time I flew in an airplane, I was 18 years old and going to boot camp. And I remember getting on a plane thinking, wow, this is way cool. I'm going to fly in a plane. And 
And I remember they told me that I would receive, and I remember the words exactly, a gourmet in-flight meal. Everybody ever heard that before, right? <laughs> wow, I'm going to be a rich person. I'm gonna... And then you get that little thing that comes out of the microwave that they had for a week in there, you know. Life is full of disappointments. Sometimes those disappointments come at unexpected moments. <laughs> Our family to this day laughs about an Easter supper that we had a few years ago where everybody was bringing something, different people bringing different things. And, and the person who was bringing the mashed potatoes had an epic fail. And these potatoes came out with a consistency of Elmer's glue. <laughs> right? You can like pour them onto your plate and they spread all over. But that wasn't the only thing. Then the person who brought the pumpkin pie had a really bad Easter idea, which was to try a brand new experimental pumpkin pie recipe. Why would you do that? <laughs> Safeway has perfectly good pumpkin pies for two bucks, but they brought that. And then I kind of put the capper on it because my job every Easter dinner is to make the fruit salad, right? They give me the least demanding job because they've learned to have low expectations. And so that year, I'm making the fruit salad, which I could usually pull off. I mean, you just cut the fruit, put it in a bowl, you're good to go. But that year, I was going to get fancy and put some yogurt in there as well, mix it up and really be somebody. <laughs> Unfortunately, in my hurry, I grabbed the mayonnaise jar instead of the yogurt <laughs> jar. So our potatoes, our pumpkin pie, our fruit salad, it was, it was an epic disaster. Life has a way of disappointing us. I'm sure you could tell your stories. But isn't it crazy, friends, how disappointments can turn into something else over time? You know, the truth of the matter is that Easter supper is something our whole family laughs about to this day. We'll laugh about it this afternoon. Somebody will bring it up. We'll all laugh. We'll all look at each other and remember it, and remember being together, and it'll, it'll bond us, it'll connect us. You know, isn't it amazing how disappointments can, can turn into something else over time? But in the moment, you know, they feel awful, and sometimes they feel overwhelming. We've all felt that as well. Last week after second service, I prayed with a man, the sole breadwinner in his family, who lost his job after 27 years, his company went away. He was feeling real life disappointment. I've served more times than I can count at funerals over the years for unborn babies. That's a sad memorial. I have sat with husbands and wives betrayed by the spouses they once happily walk down an aisle with. Life is full of disappointment. Some of them fun. Some of them pretty awful. I personally know six families that I call friends who have lost a child. If you know a family who's experienced that, then you know what disappointment feels like and what it looks like. And, and I even know people like you do who started the Christian life with hope and joy, and then somewhere along the way found themselves broken and disillusioned when following Christ got hard or demanding. They thought faith was all Easter and no good Friday, and, and their disappointment overwhelmed them. God wants to talk to us about disappointment this morning because Easter is his heart's desire 
to turn disappointment into anticipation. Let me say that again. What God wants to do with your disappointment is turn it into anticipation, transform it. What are your disappointments? You, we've all got a few. You've buried a few dreams. You've put away a few passions that once upon a time throbbed in your heart. God wants to talk to you about those this morning. He wants to talk to you about how he turns disappointment into anticipation. That's why I invited you to go to the Easter story. It's Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. Let's spend a few minutes together and remember what happened on that first Easter. The Bible says, verse 1 of chapter 24, that on the first day of the week, Sunday in those days, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women, that is some of the women who had followed Jesus, who had become his friends, who had spent the last three and a half years with him, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. It was a way of, of honoring the people they had lost. We do a similar thing in our day when we go to a cemetery, maybe on Memorial Day, and we put down flowers and we clean up. The ladies were going to tend to the body of Jesus, going to tend to the tomb of Christ. And it's not hard to overstate the sadness of that morning. Try and, try and put yourselves in their shoes. They had, for the last three plus years, followed him and left everything behind. They had put all their eggs, so to speak, on Easter morning in his basket. Jesus was their hope. Jesus was leading a movement that they dreamed would turn the world into an infinitely more beautiful place. They had seen his power. They had come to love him and to understand his love for them. They had experienced his amazing wisdom that turns life around. He could tell a story like nobody else. And when he was done telling it, you felt your heart pierced and your mind opened. And they had experienced that again and again and again. And as a consequence, they had begun to hope in him to hope for themselves, to hope for the world around them, to hope for their loved ones. They had, above all, discovered in this man, Jesus, that, that God is much more than merely religion. That God isn't just about what we're supposed to do for him, but about what he chooses to do for us. And now, after all that, he was dead and buried in a tomb. They, they saw him die. It was unmistakable. And to make matters worse, he was executed by a wicked movement in an unjust way. This wasn't some inspirational Hollywood make-believe death. It was an old-fashioned murder. And, and here's the sad thing. Here's the thing that, that would have got the more sensitive among them. That murder was plotted and cheered on by the most religious people of that day. It was the temple priests. It was the teachers of the law. It was the devout crowd that shouted, give us Barabbas, give us an action hero, give us a revolutionary, and crucify this man Jesus. Imagine the disillusionment that came with that. And that, that execution was carried out by a wicked foreign government occupying their land. That government was still there. 
It was an injustice based on a lie and a false accusation. That court system was still there. And this morning when these ladies go to the tomb, let's understand something, friends. They go with a weight of disappointment on their hearts. They go thinking it's all over. This is the end. I wonder if, if you sometimes feel like that or are tempted to feel like that. All of us do at one time or another. According to some, our Christian faith consists only in preventing these kinds of things from happening. But that lady knew better. Those women knew better. When they went to the tomb that, that morning, they knew that awful things could and did happen. And we know the same thing today. Russia invades Ukraine, and there's no lightning bolts from the sky. Murdering terrorists run wild in Africa and Asia, and there's no earthquake to swallow them up. A mob attacks the capital of our own country, and there's no angels with flaming swords holding them back. A nation spends decades, our nation, killing unborn children, and no flood or fire or miracle makes it stop. That's what it felt like to these ladies on Easter morning. Let's not forget that, because if we forget that, then we miss what God wants to do in our hearts on Easter morning. Because the reality is, you and me feel disappointment like that. These women are going to bury their dreams. They're going to grieve over what wasn't, over what didn't happen. And they're going with tears. They're going with brokenness. They're going to a tomb, to a grave. And they're going with sadness and disappointment. I like to tell my wife, Rhonda, that if she's sad when I die, I'm going to come back and haunt her for it. I want her to rejoice. I'm going to come in the middle of the night and put up the toilet seat and hide one of each of her socks. And I'm going to freak out the dog so that she sheds all over the carpet. I, I want her to rejoice. But I know that she will grieve. Part of the reason for that is that grief is love. We grief we grieve because we love. But, but I wonder this morning, what dreams have you buried? What, what passions, what hopes? Have you sort of said, you know what? That's over. I'm too old for that. That's buried and in the ground. Maybe it's the passion in your marriage. Maybe it's the relationship with your kids or your parents. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a dream you nurtured when you were young and now, now it feels like it's dead. It feels like it's over. What dreams have you buried? It happens to all of us. I love the story of the woman who noticed a copy of her high school yearbook on the bookshelf in her doctor's office and thinking that he looked a lot older than, than she was, she said, hey, did you go to Central High School? He smiled and said, yeah. Um, wow. She says, I was there the same year that you were. He looked at her over his glasses and he said, huh, what did you teach? <laughs> and in that moment, a little dream died. <laughs> a little vision, a little hope died. You know, the sadness and disappointment for these women was very real. And then it turns into confusion. Look at what verses 2 and 3 say. It says the, these women, they arrived at the tomb and they found the stone rolled away. But when they entered... They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus that they had come to tend. And in that moment, they didn't say, 
Yay, he's risen. See, we come to this story with hindsight. Most of the stories in our own lives, we don't come to with hindsight. And these women in this moment, the scripture says they were, they wondered what had happened. They were confused. You see, disappointment always turns into confusion if it isn't explored. But this is where the Easter story gets interesting because you and me have hindsight. We know what's up in this moment, but they didn't. So try to imagine what they felt. They probably wondered if there had been some conspiracy to hide his body and to keep people from honoring him. He had a lot of enemies in his day. They wondered if maybe grave robbers had already broken in and looted the tomb. That was a common thing in those days. And often tombs had to be guarded to prevent it from happening. There had been no time to put a guard had the grave robbers already come. Or they wondered if they had misunderstood where he's buried and gone to the wrong place. Are we lost? Did we take a wrong turn somewhere? They would have leaped to a million conclusions instead of the truth because they thought they knew what was possible and what wasn't. Lots of us walk around in a cloud of that, trying to pretend that the world isn't supernatural, even though we know we're passing out of it into what lies beyond the natural. Yet we pretend we know what can and can't happen, and so we live in a cloud of disappointment and confusion. But real faith happens in between God's promises and their fulfillment. It happens when we believe what he says until he does what he says. I remember probably like you when I was a young father, one of the things that I was so eager to impart to my son was that when dad says something, you can count on it. Dad's going to do what he says. When dad talks about tomorrow or the next week, you can rest in that. You can I wanted him to feel that kind of security. And I worked hard to plant that in his heart. In the same way God desires that we would believe what he says, even when we think we know better. The women find themselves in that kind of a moment. But here's the thing, gang. Here's the thing to stop and think about on Easter morning. Nothing that was going to happen that morning should have been a surprise to them. Let me say that again. Nothing that was going to happen that morning should have come as a surprise to them. Notice that the supernatural is going to enter into this moment. Angels are going to appear, but we get so hung up on that that we focus on it. Listen to what the angels have come to say. Verse 4 of chapter 24 of Luke's gospel. While they, the women, were wondering about this, the word wondering indicates their confusion. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. We, we want angels to appear to us like this because we think that's the point. But God sent the angels not just to, for special effects purposes. He sent them with a message. Scripture says, the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And then catch this, friends. Remember how he told you this? Ladies, this shouldn't be a surprise. Jesus told you about this. He told you repeatedly that this was coming. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. The angels came not just to blow them away with special effects, but to say, hey, Greg, Remember what he said? He told you this was going to happen. 
You're all disappointed, you're discouraged, you're confused, but he told you this would happen. You should expect this story to unfold this way. And the Bible says, then they remembered his words. Then they, oh, that's right. Jesus did say that. How did they lose touch with what he'd been saying? Kind of the same way we do. We get distracted. We get caught up in other things. We forget that this life is temporary. We forget that we are created. We forget, sometimes on purpose, what we know in our hearts, that our maker is there, that God gives us the life we have. These ladies had forgot, but when the angel reminded them of what Jesus said, oh, that's right, they remembered his words. Weren't you listening, in other words? How many times did he tell you this? Are we listening when God tells us stuff we don't want to hear? Very often our, our expectations, hear me gang, very often our expectations get disconnected from what Jesus has said. And when that happens, it leads to disappointment and confusion. It happens because we don't pay attention. It happens because false teachers create false expectations in our hearts. It happens when we make up our own ideas about God and call them faith. It happens because we get overwhelmed with disappointment. Sometimes we say, after the fact, I told you so, when things turned out the way we knew they would. And in the same way, these angels come to say, hey, ladies, remember he told you this is how it would go. How different might your disappointments look if you knew what Jesus says about them, if you were aware of what he says about your future? You see, here's the thing. The more I listen to Christ, the less I am confused and overwhelmed by the way the world goes down. The more I listen to God, the less I'm disappointed, discouraged, and confused by the way the world goes down because I know that it's not the end of the story. The Bible tells us, for example, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, and evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Sounds like the daily news. And I see so many people go, ah, how can this happen? <laughs> and God wants to say, weren't you listening? I told you this was coming. I've told you a hundred times that this is coming. Over in 1 Peter chapter 4, the scripture says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trials you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. In other words, he told you about this. This is part of the journey, and it ends with a resurrection. It ends with a victory. It ends with disappointments turned into anticipations that are then fulfilled beyond our wildest imagination. When you and I listen to Jesus, we're not disappointed. We gain insight. We know what's up, and our expectations conform with his. I remember when I went into the military thinking, you know, I was going to go off to boot camp and they were going to turn me into Rambo. <laughs> you know, I was going to be buff and tough and all this kind of stuff. And when I got in, I found out that most of our training was waiting in lines, <laughs> waiting in lines to eat, waiting in lines to go to class, waiting in lines to draw gear, waiting in lines to put gear back, waiting in lines to take it out again, just waiting, waiting, waiting all the time. It used to drive me nuts. They'd wake us up at midnight, take us out to the shooting range at 2 a.m. with all of our gear and then we'd sit there and wait for two hours till the sun comes up so we could see something to shoot. It was all about waiting. It would drive you crazy. And then very slowly, as the years went by, I began to understand 
that the ability to wait well is actually one of the most important skills a soldier needs in combat. The ability to be patient, to wait. And I understood everything differently after that. Listen, church, God wants to shape your expectations, and it happens when you listen to what his son says, and that's where disappointment is left behind. So many people live with a disillusionment and distrust of God uh, or a discouragement because they weren't listening to him all along, but everything changes when we pay attention. Then they remembered his words. Then they remembered what he said. You know, here's the fun thing on Easter morning. The whole story could have been radically different. Imagine this Easter morning, if they had paid attention all along, if they had been listening all along, the whole weekend would have looked different. On Friday night, he would go to the cross and be killed, and they'd go home and they'd go, set your watches. It's going to be about 36 hours. Stuff's going to happen. Can you imagine them trying to sleep on Saturday night, the night before? I can't sleep. Can you? No. It's gonna, when, when is sunrise? Check the, go online. Check, find out when the sun's coming up so we know exactly when this is going to happen. I can't, ah. Everything he said is happening. And remember what he also said. He said on the third day he was going to rise again. Imagine their anticipation. They can't sleep the night before. The third day, that's tomorrow. Their hearts are pounding. Their heads are full of knowing. They arrested him in Jerusalem, just like he said. They condemned him and crucified him, just like he said. They buried him in a rich man's tomb. Oh, that's right. He said that too. Everything he said is happening. That means everything he said is still happening. That means, ladies, tomorrow morning, are you ready? And imagine they get up that morning, they jump out of bed at dawn, they got their iPhones hooked up and running, they're streaming fast uploads to TikTok, they're giggling with excitement, they're racing to the tomb, and when they find the empty tomb, they don't go, oh, what's this? They go, yeah, right, they're high-fiving, they're getting jiggy with it, they're like, yes, he said this was going to happen, and now it's happening, I told you, woof, happy emoji, happy emoji, happy emoji, 15 exclamation points with the dancing puppies meme and the wow wow zoom filter, holy hands, emoji. Halo head emoji, raise the roof emoji, empty tomb, he ain't there. How you like us now, fools? Imagine how different it would have been if only they remember. He told you about this. Church, he's, he's telling us stuff now. And he's inviting us to let that shape their expectations. They get to the tomb and they're, they're all posting selfies. I was there, you know, right by the tomb. And they're going, oh my, OMG, oh my God, as in, oh my God, like Thomas did in worship. And, and they're saying, I see why am I, H-I-R. In case you missed it, he is risen. Laugh out loud. Jesus, also known as the, at the real God, formerly known as Weird Kid from Nazareth, just blew up the end game. EOD, end of discussion. WFM works for me. TBC to be continued. CNP ASAP, copy and paste ASAP. He's risen. It looks different that morning. If you believe what he said. And so the living God says to you and me here and now in 2022 in Nowheresville, Enumclaw, Washington, he says, remember my words. Remember what I've said to you. Oh, yeah, going to be some crosses, going to be some tombs, going to be some dark times. But there's also going to be a resurrection. It's going to end in victory. There's going to be a triumph. He who laughs last laughs best, and you're going to laugh. He says, remember my words. He says that to you in your disappointments, to me and mine. When we pay attention to what Jesus is saying, everything looks different. 
when we ditch the daily news, when we stop obsessing over the Internet's endless idiot nonsense, when we cease listening to every talk radio show or TV know-it-all talking head 24-7, when we listen instead to what Jesus is saying, everything looks different. He says, be still and know that I am God. He says, this is my son. Listen to him. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when we hear him, everything looks different. That's what Easter morning is all about. I, I remember when I was first learning to ride motorcycles and, and you know, the speed on the freeway when you're on a motorcycle feels way different than when you're in a car. You know, the first few times you get out there, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm going 70 miles an hour. There's nothing between me and the pavement but a little polyester. <laughs> wow. But I had a buddy who was a longtime writer, and he said, oh yeah, he said, Greg, you got to realize something. He says, the faster you go on your motorcycle, the more those two wheels are creating centrifugal force, and it makes it way more stable than you think it is. It's not about to fall over. And then he laughed and said, it's a good reason to go faster, because the faster you go, you get more centrifugal force. But slowly I learned that lesson. And then there came the day, and I don't recommend this. I'm just telling the story for illustration, all right? There came the day when I'm riding down the interstate on a 1,500cc Goldwing motorcycle, and I've got one finger on the handlebars. I don't recommend it, but you can do it. There's so much centrifugal force that the bike just rolls along smooth. In the same way, God wants you to understand the centrifugal force of listening to his son. Your heart, your mind grows stable. Disappointments come, but they don't overwhelm. Instead, they're replaced by anticipation. And you get there by listening. The women at the tomb that morning weren't the only ones uh, blinded by their disappointment. We're almost done this morning. They weren't the only ones who hadn't really been listening all along. The scripture goes on to tell the story, verses 9 and following, Luke 24. When they came back from the tomb, these women, they told all these things to the 11, to the disciples, and to all the others, all the followers. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Once again, even though they'd heard Jesus repeatedly say, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm going to rise again. Even though they'd heard it over and over, they hadn't really listened, and so they didn't believe. It affected them so much that when the resurrected Jesus appeared, they didn't even recognize him. Look at verses 13 and following. The Bible says, Now that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, as they talked and discussed things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Don't assume that that's a, a supernatural moment when God is sovereignly keeping them from recognizing him. This kind of phenomenon happens all the time. It's actually a symptom of disappointment and of discouragement. Psychologists diagnose something called conversion disorder, which used to be called hysterical blindness. And what it is, is it's a partial, sometimes specific blindness caused by extreme stress, anxiety, or depression, or post-traumatic stress disorder. Something like that was probably happening here in this moment. They'd seen him die. They'd seen him buried. There's no way this guy walking with them could be him. We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Can you feel the disappointment? Now, the irony is he hadn't just redeemed them from a Roman government that was going to be gone in a few years. 
he had redeemed them from hell. He had saved them eternally. Every aspect of redemption that mattered had happened, and they didn't even know it. And Jesus began to teach them. Look at what the uh, scripture says in Luke 24, beginning with verse 24. Jesus spoke to them as he walked with them. He said, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. In other words, Jesus reminded them of what he had been saying all along. Just like the angels reminded the women, just like the Spirit of God in this moment is inviting you and me to pay attention to what Jesus has said, to remember what he has promised, to know that he will bring to pass everything that he said. He wants us to feel that. You know, after you've been the, the parent of a teenager and you've gone on in life, you, know, you have friends who have kids that are getting to be like 9, 10, and 11, and they're looking at you and they're saying, well, this isn't so hard. What's the big deal? <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, oh, honey, honey, <laughs> 12 hasn't happened yet, 13, uh, y your time's coming. And you, you kind of feel for them. On the one hand, you're thinking, you're so dumb. <laughs> On the other hand, you're thinking, hey, but it's okay. It's going to be hard, but you're going to make it through. It's going to be tough and difficult, but you've got to keep your eye on the prize. And once they get through those years, they're going to circle back around, and you're going to be wonderful friends. And you want to say that to them. You want them to feel that because they don't even know how hard it's going to be. But you know that you can get through it. You can overcome and that it's worth doing in the end. In the same way, God says to us, hey, let me shape your expectations. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Let me, let me finish this morning by reminding you of what he's saying on this Easter morning. He says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome this world. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. He says, the son of man has authority on earth to forgive your sins. He says, come to me if you're weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. I'll teach you how to feel it from the inside out. He says, don't be afraid. It is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. You don't earn it. He gives it to you because you're willing to receive it. He says... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember my words, he says. You know, I want to finish with a story this morning and then an invitation. When I was about 20 years old, well, actually exactly 20 years old, I finally decided that I was going to propose to my wife. <laughs> 
And I was in the service at that time. She was at home, so I'm down in Southern California. She's in Eugene, Oregon. And I, I got off work on a Friday morning, and I decided, that's it. I'm going to go. I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to propose to her. And so I got a plane flight. I jumped on it. I flew up unannounced, showed up at her door on Saturday. And I said, hey, hi. <laughs> Let's go to dinner. I want to take you to dinner. We went to dinner, and, and I proposed. And she said yes. And we celebrated, went home, and told her parents they were a little less enthusiastic at the moment. <laughs> After that, I, I got back in my truck to drive back to California. And because I had come home impromptu, I had to be back at work at 7 in the morning on Monday. So I knew I was facing a long drive overnight all the way back to California. As soon as I got there, I was going to have to throw on my uniform, go back to work. But, but that drive, I'll never forget. Because as tired as I was, as long as the drive was, as ugly as it was, I don't know why there's a Bakersfield or a Fresno or all that stuff. Through that whole drive, there was one thing throbbing in my heart. She said yes. She said yes. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a wife. A living human female has chosen to live with me. <laughs> right? Wow. And again and again and again as I drove, it just came back to me. And I go, she said yes. I remember rolling the window down. She said yes. And suddenly that, that whole drive and even that whole next day, and indeed everything was changed because she said yes. Here's what God wants you to know on Easter. If you ask him about you, he says yes. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You go to him and you say, God, be my savior. He says, yes, yes. God, teach me to live beyond my disappointments, my discouragements. He says, yes. God, forgive me my sins, my shame, my guilt. He says, yes. And that yes changes everything. And that's what Easter's about. Would you bow your head with me? Close your eyes this morning. God, we thank you for your word this morning. And, and, and we thank you for sending those angels who on Easter morning said, remember, remember what Jesus said. Remember what he promised. God, thank you for speaking that message to us in this moment because so many of us have become distracted and drifted away from what he says. You invite us to remember. God, we thank you for that encouragement this morning that we might lift our heads, look up, laugh, and know that you hold our future in your hands. Maybe this morning as you sit here, you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. You can in this moment. He's listening to your heart. He's here for you. Jesus said, whenever two or more of you come together, I'll be there in your midst. He's here for you. And if you say to him, be my savior, this morning he says yes. It can happen for you right here and right now. And it changes everything. God, we thank you for this Easter story, this incredible hope that you have given us. And we pray that as we pass out of this Easter, we would remember 
that the reality of it goes on forever, that we can rejoice because of what you have done for us. We pray for that. We ask that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me, friends? Yeah. I hope you're going to have a terrific Easter afternoon. And I hope that you will remember that today is a day for celebrating. Not what you haven't done, but what he has done. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love him. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Have a great afternoon. Hey, happy Easter, my brother. Have a great afternoon.